So about a year ago, I was exploring my local neighborhood here in Southwest Portland, sort of near the Tigard border, and I found one of the most amazingly beautiful places I have ever been to. It was an old, abandoned, wood lumber place, sort of at the end of the line of the railroad. And I could just, the instant I got out of my car and started walking around, I could just picture these old trains coming down from the mountains and dropping off these big, you know, huge tree trunks and seeing this factory just turn it into lumber or bark dust and, and, and paper pulp maybe, I don't know. And um, I instantly decided I wanted to share this, to show people this. So I called a whole bunch of my friends and I said, hey, we should go out there at night, you know, with the moon up there and it'll be really spooky and we'll have a really good time. And so I got us all together and we got out there and I brought my camera and we took all these amazing pictures. I think there's even one in the, inside the, whatever these things are called. What are they called? Yeah. Pamphlets, folders, anyway. Um, so about two hours into it, my friend Gabe says, hey, we should go make a beer run because beer is always good and it'll make this better. And uh, so everyone piles into the back of his Monte Carlo and they go off to Winco and get some beer and whatnot. And so my friend Steven and I uh, are sitting left. We ended up having one of those amazing sort of soul to soul communication nights you know, just deep conversations um, that I've ever had in my life. Unfortunately, just down the road, someone at the train yard saw my friend Gabe's car leaving, and they went ahead and called the cops. So about 10 minutes after they left, three police cars, Crown Victorias, come rolling up this little dirt road. Lights flashing, sirens going, those spotlights, you know, shaking all over the place trying to find us, to find me and Steven just sitting here like, what? Um, and six police officers got out. Can you believe it? Six police officers started interrogating Stephen and I about what we were doing there and how long we'd been there and, you know, what are you doing? And uh, we explained to them very calmly, very respectfully, that we were not doing drugs. We were not vandalizing anything. We were certainly not graffitiing anything. Look at our hands. There's no paint whatsoever. I even got my camera out and tried to explain, you know, the artistic merits of what I was doing. <laughs> um, that didn't really go so well. And by the end of the night, both my friend Stephen and I ended up with little yellow citations in our hands, at the top of which stood criminal trespass in the third degree. And that's just a downer. And trespassing on and or near railroad property is a little bit like knocking over mailboxes when you're a kid. Because <laughs> it's, it's a federal offense because the military and other government things use the railroad. So the maximum fine attached to this violation was $10,000 or up to 90 days in jail. Oh my god, that, that just weighed me down so much. It might as well have been a million dollars. You know, I'm a full-time student and I work you know, part-time. I have no way to pay that down just ever. Um, and more so, we have to deal with a court fee. You have to get up early, like dress up, and like go to a judge out like, in, in Hillsborough in Washington County. And uh, we got there and we sat down and we, we looked around, Stephen and I, and we realized that we were the only ones that were sort of young and not, you know, serious criminals. Like there were people who abused their spouses and got their third DUI that afternoon and just terrible stuff. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, we went up for the judge and I think the judge sort of realized at the time, you know, uh, that we were there not for serious issues. At the time I thought he was just being a huge dick, but what he did do is he, he threw out you know the ten thousand dollars and the ninety days in jail, which was good. Um, but then he gave me like two hundred dollar fine and like some court fees and stuff. But critically, I had to complete twenty hours of community service by such and such a date. And I thought that this would be no problem. You know, I'm an upstanding citizen. You know, I'm an architecture student, so I already volunteer with Habitat for Humanity just on my own time because you know it's nice to get your hands dirty and uh, or hands on. 
And uh, my grandfather was the president of, of Grig Lodge for years, and so I would help volunteer do dishes, you know, for the pancake breakfast and Ludafisk dinners, you know, that I find so dear. And um, <laughs> I thought this would be no problem. But miraculously, of course, and no fault of my own, the, the time expired, and I hadn't completed a single community service. <laughs> it, it just slipped my mind. And so that, of course, rewarded me with another letter from the Honorable Judge Butterfield out in Washington <laughs> County requesting my appearance in his court, um, which of course I showed up to, where he told me that I was in direct violation of probation and you have directly you know, violated a court order and for this you will serve five days in jail. Five days in jail for not completing some community service. I was completely shocked and they, they cuffed me right there in the courtroom in front of all these people. I'm just. I'm shocked and embarrassed, and it was terrible. Um, when I got to the booking part of the process, I, they told me, to my astonishing delight, that I was eligible for something called willage, which is work in lieu of jail. And I was like, fantastic, <laughs> sign me up, I want that. You know, my crime was not a violent one, so I was, I was good for this. Um, for those of you who don't know, willage is basically, uh, you, you sign up for the jail, you serve your sentence, you know, part-time on the weekends, by doing yard work and stuff in your community. So essentially it is community service. I didn't really understand the difference. But I wanted that, don't, I don't wanna go to jail. I don't wanna go inside that building, fantastic. Um, showed up on my first Saturday, you know, supposed to be there at 7.30, I'm there at 7.25. You know, you line up in line, Deputy Adams, who's in charge of the whole program, lines us up alphabetically outside this little door and we go in like one by one. It goes really slow, everything in jail goes really, really, really slow. And, um, we go inside this little door, and you have to pay money. I didn't know that. You have to pay $25 to not be in jail. So essentially, you give someone money to go work for them. That just always didn't, I didn't get that. That didn't work for me. Um, but you pay money, and you sign in on this little sheet, and then you go outside and wait for a bus. And you know, um, it was a nice day, you know, and I actually ended up having a pretty good time. You know, I got this nice farmer tan going on. My back was broken. I felt, you know, muscly. Um, but I learned two things really quickly. First of all, there is a shit ton of drunk drivers here in Portland, just an insane amount. Every other person except for me in this 32 person lineup was there for some kind of DUI infraction. I had no idea. I love my car, so I've never gone DUIing in my life. That's not, that's not what I do. Um, the second thing was that the justice system is really just kind of fluid. It's really just, it depends on how the judge is feeling that day. Did he get some last night? You know, <laughs> did he have a good breakfast? Did he have a good lunch? Um, I met, a, I met a girl who had her third DUI in the last five years, and she didn't have her license suspended. She didn't get any kind of fees or tickets or classes, and she only had to serve one single day in this Willows program. And here I am with five days, essentially for wanting to try to take a picture. <laughs> Come on, that just didn't seem, that just didn't work. I didn't like that. And I met this other guy, his name was Greg. He was from Eugene, and he got his first DUI in 17 years of having his license. And uh, the, the judge assigned him 10 whole days, five weekends of Willage, which and he was from Eugene, so he had to drive up every single Saturday, every single Sunday for 10 weekends, and the judge didn't let him do it down in Eugene. Um, but nevertheless, it was a really good day, you know, feeling good, got a pan, fantastic. I decided that I'm gonna go with it. So I'm gonna do it, you know, I'm not gonna have it, this is gonna be fine. So uh, I showed up the next day, I got, you know, nice work shorts, it's gonna be like 80, you know, degree day outside. I got gloves on with like leather so I can pick these blackberry bushes even more effective. Um, and I show up, I'm there at 7.20 now, I'm on time, I'm ready to go, I'm told my end of the deal, I'm given extra credit here. And uh, you know, we get, uh, Deputy Adams comes out, we go in line, we step inside really, really, really slowly. <laughs> and uh, we go inside, I pay my $25, I sign my little name on the door, and I walk out the door. And from behind me, I just hear Deputy Adams, Mo, get back here. 
what I do, what I do, what I do. I go back there, and he's, he's holding a little piece of paper, which was the contract that I'd signed back in court a week ago. And he points out number three on the list, where I read, you will wear long pants and sturdy work shoes when you report for duty. Here I was in shorts. Totally appropriate workwear, you know, outdoor cargo shorts. And apparently, you know, I didn't think that would be such a big deal, but that was enough for him to book me. Again, I got the cuffs put on me, and I got sent into Washington County Jail, where I sat, literally arrested by the fashion police. <laughs> Come on. Um, in jail, it is cold. They got the AC cranked. I'm here in shorts, a thin t-shirt. I was ready to do yard work in like 80 degree weather. This was not working. You have to go through a medical thing. They take all your things from you, even your shoelaces. I was, I'm not prepared for this. That's not me. Um, and so I'm sitting here in jail. I am cold. I am out of my element. I don't know what's going on. People are moving really slowly around me. And uh, I see these burlap blankets, these nasty, nappy, pre-used blankets over in the corner of this sort of big hall with like chairs and a TV and a phone. And I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be nice if I could just get one of those? It is cold, I could wrap myself in it, and I'd be better, you know? And this female deputy, I think she saw me like cringing, so she goes over and she gets two of them for me. Fantastic, my look is turning around. She gives them to me and she tells me to follow me. We go over to another part, she tells me to pick up a mattress. And then she goes over to another part and she opens a door to show me a solitary cell confinement wow. unit and tells me to go inside. And it, I see the, the plaque on the side of the door. It says the Weekender's cell. <laughs> That's where I'm supposed to be hanging out, the Weekender's unit. And so I go inside and it's cold and it sucks and I have, it's cold, it's really cold. I just want to tell you, it's cold. Um, nothing to do, you don't have a book, you don't have a pen, you don't get to call anyone, it sucks. It's, it's the worst, it's just the worst. And uh, they knock on your door every like two hours just in case you've escaped and they ask you to say your name and spell it for you. So I'm like trying to sleep and like just pass the time and they're like, what's your name? And I'm like, oh shit, Mo, M-O-E. <laughs> and wouldn't it suck if your name was like Zach Galifianakis? G-A, I don't know, right? That would be terrible. And the bologna sandwiches, they're atrocious. It's this, every meal is a brown sack lunch with like a dry white piece of bread, this mayo-mustard combination goop thing, and a thick piece of mystery meat and another dry bread. And I'm a vegetarian, so there was nothing for me to eat that whole time. And I'm just having the worst possible time ever. The next morning, 6 a.m., they let me go, 24 hours of holding me, and um, I'm like, shit, I am not going back there. I show up the next Saturday, a week passes, I have the longest pairs of pants on. They go around the shoe and down the toes. I look like I'm eight years old wearing my older brother's pajamas or something. I have a long sleeve shirt under a short sleeve shirt. I've got my work gloves, I've got like two belts on. I'm making sure that I have every possible thing that I could have. I'm covering my head. I am here at 7.15, not 7.30. And I'm standing, I'm the, like the second person there. Deputy Adams comes out and he, uh, he calls everyone's name and we stand there and we go through this really slow line. Everyone goes inside and pays their money. And I mean, don't judge me, but I don't know how this works. I don't know if I'm gonna be Deputy Adams' bitch from now on. I don't, I don't know if he's just gonna let me have it the rest of the time that I'm here, but I am scared. I'm really trying to just not say anything, just do my thing, I'm terrified. I go inside, Deputy Adams looks kind of sternly at me. He remembers, you know, the. The huge offense that I made last week. I, uh, I give him the $25, I sign on the little piece of paper, and I very cautiously walk out of the door, hoping that he's not gonna say anything, and he does it. Woo! I am free, I am outside, it is sunny, I'm gonna have the, wait, no, I'm gonna do yard work all day, fuck. Um, 
And as I get outside, I'm looking down the side of the jail here. It's like 7.45 in the morning, and there's this kid, this really young-looking kid, and he's walking towards us. Let me tell you, there's no reason you're on the side of the jail in Hillsborough at 7.45 on a Saturday morning. You're not here for like a Saturday morning walk. He's coming like to join our group, and we're all like, we all swarm on this guy. We're like, what are you gonna do? What, what's going on? Why are you late? That guy is gonna kill you. You're gonna get in jail. And I, he had no idea what's going on. He had crisp white Nike sneakers on, some really nice club like dress going out and Nike jeans on. He had like a peach white polo with the, the collar popped, you know? He was wearing sunglasses at 7.45 in the morning. So he's either stoned or hungover. Like this guy is not holding the line. And he's, this is a killer. Critically, he's carrying a cup of coffee from one of these little coffee huts, the human bean things. Now if you're late for work, or if you're late for class and you have a cup of coffee in your hand, that doesn't bode well for you. Let me tell you, if you show up for jail with a cup of coffee in your hand, not a smart move there, Buster. And we were all just like, what are you doing? What, what were you thinking? This is terrible. And I tried to, I told him, the bologna sandwiches, man. They're gonna feed you bologna sandwiches. I tried to warn him, he just wasn't listening. He just, he ignores all of this. I, he slowly makes his way over to the line. It's up against the wall. He puts a foot up and he just leans back and he's kind of quiet and we're just still like, Clucking like chicks, what are you gonna do? And he just looks around and he's like, guys, I'm, I'll never forget what he said. I'm not worried about it. He's the third person in line. He goes inside the door. I swear, not even 10 seconds go by before he's inside the door, before, before we hear the click, click, and he's straight into jail. And the rest of the crew just giggled and laughed, and the rest of the day we're like, hey, you worried about those weeds over there? Nope, I'm not worried about those weeds over there. Hey, what do you think we're getting for lunch? I'm not worried about it. Hey, do you think he's worried about it? Yep, he's probably worried about it. That just made it such a relief. We just had the best day. Um, and that just like changed a little bit in me. That was like the modern, like the 2011 Hakuna Matata to me. I just loved it. I resonated with that. And so right now, I don't have a job. I'm not going to school. I actually live in a tent outside my Anakin's house in southwest Portland. In a few days, I'm going to hitchhike down to LA, which is a pretty dangerous place here in the US, uh, where I'm going to board a plane to go to Guatemala, which for the last two or three years has been the most dangerous place on planet Earth, where I'm going to live with a girl who I used to have feelings for, but who's now a lesbian, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? I'm not worried about it. <laughs>